This is our second session on Colossians 1, 24 to 26, and we go just a phrase further. Last time, I stopped right there. Now I rejoice in my sufferings. And we looked at six reasons why, from elsewhere in the New Testament, the early Christians, especially the Apostle Paul, could say, that sufferings didn't rob him of his joy, but in fact provided an occasion for his joy. And in this session, I want to go one step further for your sake and simply bore in a little deeper in the connection between sufferings and joy when the sufferings are for other people. In other words, we're not just suffering because we were persecuted for taking a Christian stand or because we got sick or were in an accident while walking in a path of obedience, but now explicitly we have spent ourselves for someone else's good, and that spending, that discomfort, that price or suffering is producing joy. I want to watch that dynamic in the Apostle Paul and see if we can pray it into ourselves by means of the Word of God. So, Lord, we don't want merely to have the capacity to rejoice in suffering in general. We want to be able to love other people, serve other people, even if it is costly, and have that very costliness be the reason for our joy. I ask this in in Jesus' name that you'd help us. Amen. The first question is, well, Paul, you don't even know these people. What do you mean you're suffering for their sake? Because you say just a few verses later in chapter 2, verse 1, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. So, in what sense is Paul's struggle for people he doesn't even know? He's never been there and he doesn't know them face to face. And yet he says, I have a great struggle for you. What, what does he mean by that? Well, this same idea is expressed not for Paul, but for Epaphras here in chapter 4. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf. So Epaphras was with Paul as he wrote this, and he describes the struggle that Epaphras has, and it is a struggle in his prayers. So that's part of the answer to, Paul, what do you mean that you have a great struggle on behalf of the Colossians? Epaphras is struggling that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. So at least in prayer. And then at the end of the book, we get another glimpse of Paul's thinking about suffering for them. Colossians 4.18, last sentence of the book. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand, remember my chains. Grace be with you. 
Paul is writing this letter as he struggles in prayer while in chains in prison. Now, if you're in prison, and it wasn't the kind of prison maybe we have today with more amenities, rather it was no doubt a very difficult situation. Chains is a very significant word here. And he's writing a letter which took no small effort and how easy it would have been simply to coast and not burden himself with a letter for people he doesn't even know. So we have the example of Paul's prayer. We have the example of Paul's teaching and his writing a letter while he's in chains. And at least in that much, then, he is struggling on their behalf. So I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, sufferings while I'm in chains and the efforts I am making for you. And I think it would be helpful to point out that Paul thinks that way about the elect in relation to his ministry in general. 2 Timothy 2.10, I endure everything. I endure everything. In other words, I am I suffer what I suffer. I am inconvenienced. I am discomforted for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So Paul sees himself as an essential means, this purpose here, means of the salvation of the elect. You can't just say, oh, they're elect, they'll be saved no matter what. Well, they won't be saved no matter what. They will be saved through God's appointment of means, and Paul knows himself as one of the means by which the elect are saved, and some of those who are elect are in Colossae. And so he is struggling for them as he labors for their salvation through the writing of this letter. Paul speaks this way. Let's just look at a few more passages where we see Paul's heart to find joy in being spent for others. Here's what he says to the Ephesians in chapter 3. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Paul saw his suffering on behalf of the Ephesians, on behalf of the Colossians and the other churches that he cared about, he saw his suffering as a means of their glory. His suffering was, in a sense, their glory, and that, that brought him great joy. We see it again here in Philippians 2. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering, so give his life, upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. In other words, if your faith costs me my life, I am glad. That's a wonderful set of priorities, right? If your faith rises as I sacrifice my life in a drink offering, I am glad. And I rejoice with you all. Likewise, you should rejoice and be glad with me, even though I am being poured out. What an amazing view of life. A life poured out for others produces gladness if the life poured out can be a means of their faith. Here's 2 Corinthians 12, 15. I will most gladly spend and be spent 
for your souls. If I love you the more, am I to be loved the less? So this being spent here is a form of love. And Paul found it to be a glad act, a glad condition to be spent in the cause of loving other people and bringing them to faith and shepherding them home to glory. Two more passages. 2 Corinthians 7, 4. I am acting with great boldness toward you. I have great pride in you. I am filled with comfort in all our affliction. I am overflowing with joy. In all our affliction, I am overflowing with joy because of you. What an amazing heart for other people. Oh, that God would show us that it is more blessed to give and give and give and be spent, even through affliction, with overflowing joy. One more text, 1 Thessalonians 3, 8 to 10. Now we live. That's an amazing statement. If we live, if you are standing fast in the Lord. In other words, if Paul could be an instrument of their perseverance and firmness in faith, it would be his life. For what thanksgiving can I render or return to God for you for all the joy? that we feel for your sakes. That joy, I think, is what he means by we live. We live if you're standing fast, because I can't even imagine how I could return to to God enough thanksgiving for all the joy that I feel for your sake before our God as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. So there it is. Oh, that all of us Christians would love other Christians, indeed other people who could be Christians, with the kind of love that says, it's my joy, it's my joy if you stand fast. It is my very life. So now, back to our text, now I rejoice, not just in my sufferings in general, but in my sufferings for your sake. I want my sufferings to count for your strength, for your perseverance, for your glory. And then we get this amazing statement, which we'll look at next time. And in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions.